Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. You're listening to episode 157. This episode is brought to us by Marital Bliss. How could I turn down an offer to have somebody sponsor the show with a name like that? Marital Bliss. So I'm really excited. Their game is going to be on Kickstarter soon. Next episode, we'll have more details about it. But Marital Bliss from Nick and Nicole, who uh, who are delivering us that game. I actually have a, a, a copy of it, so I'm excited about it. It's a kind of a couple's relationship building game. Not that I need any, but there you go. So Marital Bliss is who the show's brought to you by. Uh, we're going to go straight to our guest. The reason is, is I want to maximize the amount of time I get to spend with this guest. He's been on the show a couple of times. He has, uh, as I refer to it, become a part of Kickstarter royalty, in my opinion, with his incredible amount of success of his Kickstarter campaigns, as well as his detailed, consistent, and extensive blog on Kickstarter. I am joined by Jamie Stegmeyer. Jamie, thanks for being on the show. Hey, Richard. Thanks so much for having me back. Yeah. Kickstarter royalty. You like that title? It's it's too high of, of praise, but I I I am honored that you would give me that that title. Yes. So for my listeners who are new to the show, who maybe didn't catch an episode where you were on before, let me just give them a little bit of background. Why I would even uh, say that, even if it is a little tongue in cheek, you burst on the scene a year ago with your board game Viticulture, put it out on Kickstarter, was wildly successful, began blogging about it. You're a consistent blogger. I think you said you've blogged for about six years. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Uh, my, my personal blog. Yeah. Yeah. Your personal blog every day. Is that correct? Five days a week. Yeah, every day, five days for the last six and a half years. Yeah. And so that's, that's mind boggling all by itself. <laughs> put your, your, put your Viticulture out there. It did, it did very well. And then you turned around and launched another Kickstarter uh, campaign this spring, summer, and uh, Euphoria. And what did it end up at? Euphoria ended up at three hundred and nine thousand dollars and a little under four hundred, uh, forty-eight hundred backers. Forty-eight hundred backers, which is the number that now that we've been doing this for a while, that's the number you really zero in on and focus on, isn't it? The number of backers, it is. And why is that? Because uh, how many Viticulture, how many backers did it have, roughly? Viticulture had 942 backers. And then you went from 942 backers, and then the next project, it jumped to 4,800? Just just under 4,800, yep. That's a huge jump. And so for the benefit of our listeners, the money obviously was cool, $300,000. I mean, I wouldn't give it back if somebody gave it to me, but but it's those backers that are really – uh, the key thing. And you even talked about that on your blog when you kind of talked about Michael Mendez's uh, uh, dungeon roll game and his 8,000 8, right. backers. Uh, right. Help the listeners understand, and they've heard me talk about, that crowdfunding isn't about a funding problem, but it's about a crowd problem that you need to solve. And so you've really addressed this issue. What are your thoughts on it? Well, from my perspective of, of someone who is not just trying to put a single product on Kickstarter, but a, a series of games, and maybe even some of them won't be on Kickstarter someday, but I'm trying to create a company. Um, the more people that are engaged with that company, the better the chances I have at, at um, a, a certain longevity for this company of actually establishing a brand. So the, the money, like you said, is important. I, I, I really did need the money for euphoria despite the success of, of viticulture but having those that 942 backers from viticulture then continue to engage and connect with them throughout the year and 
having them get involved with Euphoria and then growing that, that to 4,800. To me, that's all part of growing a company. And so let's talk about that company. The company is called Stonemeyer Games. Right. Uh, why don't you spell that for everybody? It's S-T-O-N-E-M-A-I-E-R Games. It's a combination of my name, Stegmeyer, and my business partner's name. His name is Alan Stone. So Stonemeyer Games. And you guys have been fairly successful with this. You've, uh, you've got a blog, a very active blog out there um, that's got 54 entries on Kickstarter alone, just Kickstarter tips. Right. Yeah, actually, the, it, Richard, you, you partially, uh, you directly inspired uh, this. I think I, I heard about your podcast when you were maybe about 50 podcasts in. You said at the beginning of this one, this was number 157, 158? Yeah, 157. 157. So that's a staggering number. And I, I discovered it when you were already at, right about where I am today with my log entries. Just to have that wealth of a resource that someone could stumble upon it and learn so much about Kickstarter, you have it in, in podcast form. And I, I didn't actually, I didn't set out to intend to do as many as, as you did or even close, but it, it's kind of grown over time as something that I... I enjoy writing, and it seems like people enjoy reading it. I, I would do that three times a week. Yeah. I would say that they enjoy reading it. I see that it gets quoted a lot online in forums, in Board Game Geek, in uh, on uh, Facebook, LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's become a resource, I think, that a lot of people have tied it uh, tied to because you are so thorough and extensive with helping people understand. As I always say, anybody can talk, but when it comes to writing and putting down these thoughts, you've done a, a fabulous, phenomenal job. And I think that's that, and that's one of the reasons. So you've got your Kickstarter successful projects, you've got a successful game that you've funded now and launched through Kickstarter, excuse me, the, the company, and you've given back to the community through your um, generous uh, writings, that helping people understand these these issues to help them uh, with their Kickstarter campaigns, which is why it's always a thrill to have you back on the show because you're going to teach me and everybody else listening all kinds of new stuff about uh, what you've learned about Kickstarter. How much has it changed in the past year since you launched Viticulture and now? How much has the, the Kickstarter economy changed? Yeah. Kickstarter and the process. And is it this, when you launched Euphoria, was it, was the environment the same? I know that it wasn't. How, how did you see the environment being different? Well, I, I'm definitely seeing something that you referred to before in terms of the supply. The number of games on Kickstarter keeps growing and growing. Um, but I continue to see, I guess I continue to see two patterns. One, I see established companies that treat their backers really well. I see them come back uh, maybe a couple times a year and continue to do really well. I see that a lot. And I see, I would say maybe once a month, I see a new project creator come out with something new. No one's ever heard of this person before, and they seem to do really well. Um, this past year, I'm thinking the last few months, like I think of The Agents did really well. Um, Zia, is that how you say it? XIA? Yeah, I don't know. That sounds right. good to me. They he, uh, he did really, really well. These kind of mega projects are coming out. Um, and I think... I'm seeing backers, I, I don't know, this is just my perception, but I see backers just really get caught up in, in those campaigns. Uh, just the thrill of being a part of something that, get, that grows that big, that starts so small and grows so big. 
Are you seeing any patterns in the, in the past year? What are you seeing? Well, it's interesting because um, you touched on a couple of things. One, so in 2011, when I started the podcast, I'd been following Kickstarter for a while and writing about it on Purple Pawn. Um, mm-hmm. And in 2011, there were 102 successfully funded board games. And okay. that year, people in the fall, in October particularly, so it was about this time last year, excuse me, uh, in 2011, they were all convinced and telling me that, oh, Kickstarter's about to burst. It's a bubble. It's a bubble. It's mm-hmm. going away. And it was 102 games, and they raised $2 million of successful funding. Well, then in 2012, we saw that jump to $20 million for tabletop games of successful funding. And I'm guessing this year it's going to be $60 million. $60 million of money just pouring in. There are currently, right now, uh, 185 live active tabletop board game projects on Kickstarter right now. Wow. And you figure each one lasts about, you know, give or take 30 days, 40 days. That means 180 new board game, tabletop games every 30 days. Multiply that wow. by 12. Um, you don't have to because I can't figure it out in my head, but that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's a lot. And and at 102, everybody thought it was going to be a bubble. And I continued to hear that, oh, it's a bubble, it's a bubble. And it's like, no, it's not a bubble. It has now transformed, and we're seeing. So, you know, Stillmeyer Games could not exist without Kickstarter, right? Right. Not even close. Not even close. So much so that I'm going to share with people you actually have negotiated with your job. To actually tell us a little, just a bit about that, because there's always the questions about how you balance it. But you shared that piece of information, if you're willing to share it. That absolutely. Go ahead. Well, for the past year, I mean, I, I think I launched Viticulture last year on August, late August, August 23rd, and since then, in fact, even leading up to that, because you know how much work goes into preparing for Kickstarter. You and I know I that, but listeners sometimes yeah. forget. Right. Oh, that's true. It, it's. It takes a lot of work. I would say almost just as much work as it takes to run a campaign as it does to prepare for and launch a campaign. Um, so all this probably t- dating, yeah, right. So you're uh, pouring but, all of this energy and effort into this, right? For for over a year now, I've essentially been working two full time jobs. I have a day job here in St. Louis, and I have this passion project job of of Stomire Games. And so my schedule for the last year has basically been I, I go to work for eight hours a day and I come home and I work until I go to bed. And fortunately I have a I have a great work environment at my day at my normal day job and, and I love what I do when I come home, but it's still pretty much constant work. And it kind of I it reached somewhat of a boiling point um right after the Euphoria campaign. Uh, not because I anything was really wrong, but because I realized that I no longer had time for my original passion here, which was actually designing games. I, I designed Viticulture, I designed Euphoria, but suddenly I'm running this big, well, not big company, I'm running a company with a lot of people who have their money at stake in this company, uh, hoping to get a game, and I don't have time for the thing that originally got me interested in it. So when that happened, I, I approached my boss and I asked him, if I could take a, a 25% cut in terms of time and money and essentially take Wednesday off every week just to focus on this personal project, passion project of mine. Unfortunately, my boss is really flexible, and he likes to save money, so he let me take Wednesday off, and, and it's been it's 
made a huge difference in, in and my, is your is your boss aware yeah. of this uh alter ego that you have? Yeah, he's aware of it. I don't think he knows uh just how big it's become. Yeah, I, I don't. It's still relatively small compared to a lot of other companies. But yeah, for me personally, it's pretty big. I don't think he quite knows that. Well, and 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 there is there's physical size, right? And then there's online presence. What I have talked about on the show, and what you uh, I've often used you as a reference, which you've your your f- digital presence is much bigger than your physical presence. I guess that's one way of saying it, right? Yeah, my my physical presence is a stack of board games in my second bedroom at home here. Exactly. My online presence is, I I, I think it's much bigger than that, yeah. Yeah, it's much bigger than that because you you maintain activity on Board Game Geek. You blog, as you've already said, uh, five days a week. Uh, So that's your personal blog. Does that that five days a week personal blog, does that count your Kickstarter ones woven into that? No, those are separate. So it's a total of eight blog entries a week. It's five for personal and then – Three for Kickstarter. Damn, and, do I feel yeah. just inadequate? Holy cow! <laughs> well, we have different mediums. I, I would uh, the idea of running a podcast five times a week or even a video blog is daunting to me, but writing is is a great outlet for me. Well, I did the video, I do the the audio podcast because it's easy. <laughs> That's why <what laughs> I do. It's easy. It doesn't take any effort. I can make this happen, and uh, we'll get done here. We'll post it. It'll be up on Thursday, and uh, we'll be good. But uh, <laughs> And now, over this past year, I spend most of my time writing, um, and so it's not as easy as talking. So I, 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 I continue to be impressed by what you've done um, on that side. Let's see. Okay. Um, we've got just a few more minutes. You went to – tell us about Gen Con. You went to Gen Con. Yeah, this is my first Gen Con, um, and so I really I didn't know what to expect. I knew it was big. I knew that a lot of people attended. I think last year 40,000 attended, and this year it was close to 50,000. Um, and I just kind of approached it with a kind of, like, kind of like a scout. I was kind of scouting it out to see how I could effectively use it in the future. And I came home a little overwhelmed. You've been to it. Are you are you energized by a big event like Gen Con, no, or is that no? no it's okay. draining. <laughs> it's draining. That's the word. Yeah, it's a great place for for gaming. For it's a it's a really open environment with all the the costumes and the the types of people who who attend. But I spent pretty much the whole weekend walking back and forth between meetings with people, and I kind of wish I had just anchored and settled down in one place and play games and talk to people in that one place rather than walking the whole weekend. But I'm grateful for all the people that I met over the weekend. It was a, it was nice to put faces to all these names of, of people that I talked to online. And then people come running up, oh my gosh, you're Jamie Stegmeier, can I get your autograph? I mean, I'm sure that happened, <laughs> right? No? Uh, I would, it happened a few times, not, <laughs> not too many. I actually heard from several people afterward who said they saw me and didn't come up to me. And I really wish they had because I've, I'm, I'm an introvert. I, I'd much rather people approach me than me approach them. Um, so in the future, if anyone somehow, I'm usually wearing a, a Stillmeyer Games T-shirt. So I hope if people see me, they, they come up and say hi. Okay, so next year at, uh, at uh, Gen Con, that's the goal. Everybody who's listening, the thousands of listeners that I have are going to descend on Stillmeyer Games and come say hi to Jamie because he's an introvert and he's just shy and he's not going to reach out and say hi, but he wants to, t- wants to talk to you. Well, my favorite actually from that, 
from that perspective. Two people that you know, um, Dominique and Nathaniel DeMille. Uh-huh. They, uh, they, they were in a, what, what's the, uh, Blank Wall Games. Blank Wall Games, yes, yes. They, uh, they had a, a small booth at Gen Con, and I had previously said to all my backers that if they ever see me at a convention, that, to, that I want to give them a, a hug to thank them for making this dream come true for me. I'm not even a big hugger, but it just seemed like the right thing to offer. <laughs> and Nathaniel actually took me up on it. When I, when I approached their booth, he came up and gave me a big hug, and I, it was, it was nice to, to actually, there's just two wonderful people, and it was nice they to are. be treated that way. Because they're the ones that flew me to uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas to do yeah. the uh, Richard Bliss uh, Kickstarter boot camp. Had a great time with them. Absolutely awesome. They've got two wonderful children. And I uh, had uh-huh. great memories of that. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. They are. And, you know, that's the thing that we learn about this industry, isn't it? That uh, as we continue to grow and expand and so many new players are coming in, um, you know, there are gamers everywhere. But Kickstarter just seems to have brought an energy to the community that we all get to f- see each other and, and interact. It's just a lot of fun. I'm in San Francisco. You're in St. Louis. They're in Arkansas. Yet somehow we're all connected together. And you were talking about Dice Hate Me, Chris Kirkman, that's out in uh, mm-hmm. North Carolina. Uh, right. Aldo Giazzi, who uh, is a f- common friend of ours. It's just like it doesn't – geography, the limitations of geography are no longer the boundaries that hold us back now, right? It's, right. Co- it's a common interest and a common passion, so it's a lot of fun. And Kickstarter makes it personal. That doesn't like I. I think of companies like Fantasy Flight, amazing company, but I don't put any faces or names behind Fantasy Flight. But with Kickstarter, I have a face behind every company and every product on there. And it's so true. And 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 that takes us to the the pledges versus pre-ordering. Because if I pre-order a game on some, uh, some game company's website, I, right? Th- you know, there's no emotional attachment to that. I just pre-ordered it. But uh, right. with a Kickstarter now. I continue to argue, and I will continue to argue that Kickstarter is not a pre-order system. It might act like one, and it might look like one, but that is about where the similarities stop. I agree. So let's talk. You got we've got two more minutes. Who knows? You know what? I could I could go for much longer. Although I get lots of compliments that we stick to twenty minutes, so we'll start try to stick to twenty minutes. <laughs> um, on one of your blogs, you wrote uh, blog number fifty-two, which mm-hmm. is a blog about writing a blog. <laughs> okay. And so you mentioned that you're uh, an introvert. Um, social media and introverts go hand in hand. It's been discovered that it's a very great book out there called Quiet um, that, that talks about how introverts are drawn to and use social media in ways that most extroverts don't. And so it's not a coincidence that your interest in writing and your ability to do it and your fact you're an introvert go hand in hand. A lot of gamers right. so, are, so, What's that? No, go ahead, go ahead, yeah. So a lot of gamers are introverts. Right. And so what advice do you give them in episode 52, episode 52, in your uh, blog number 52, you talk about this writing a blog. What advice can you give as we wrap up here to these people who are sitting there where they've got this great, great game idea, they don't know anything about marketing, they don't know anything about sales, but they think they've got a great game idea, and this whole social media and blogging thing, what do you tell them? Well, the, the the crux of that blog entry was kind of two things. One, if you're if you're at that point where where you're thinking about writing a blog or you want to be more involved with social media or you have a you're trying to start a company or a Kickstarter, just start a blog or, or start a podcast, start a video blog, 
like kind of stop thinking about it and stop planning it and stop trying to make it perfect before you even try it. Just put it out there. And you can always take it down again. That's a I nice swear thing about you are yelling at me. I swear you are talking uh, to not me. Yet. <laughs> oh you God. have 150 episodes on your, on your podcast. You started it. Yeah. And do you remember back? Think about what how your state of mind before episode one. What? I had never done a podcast before. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I have no idea why I wanted to. Oh, you know what? I did? <laughs> because two podcasts inspired me. Podcast number one was uh, State of Games with uh, uh-huh. – Dice hate me. And the second one was a, a podcast called the um, – oh, now um, Writing Excuses with Brandon Sanderson okay. who is a science fiction author and Howard yeah. Taylor and a couple other people who are friends of mine. They just won a Hugo. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Hugo is a very prestigious writing award in the science fiction community. They just won a Hugo this week, my friend Howard Taylor, for their podcast. And that those two podcasts inspired me. I don't listen to podcasts, but those were the only two that I occasionally dipped into. And I was like, you know what? I want to try that. And so I did. I I didn't know what I was doing. I went to other people for advice. Uh, Chris at Dice Hate Me was very helpful. And I just started doing it. And I had no idea what I was doing. I knew one thing, one thing only. I wanted it to be only 20 minutes. That's the one <laughs> thing I knew. Let's just keep it to 20 minutes. And and off we went. And uh here we are 157 episodes later. I took a bit of a hiatus this summer with a couple of months going by with one or two episodes launched. And, you know, I look at it now and it's like, yeah, well, I'll, I just keep doing it. Um, and I have to admit, and we're over the 20 minutes now that I've mentioned that uh, we're over the 20 minutes, but <laughs> it's my show. I have to admit that I am still taken aback. Um, you and I have kind of met through this podcast and met through, uh, through this experience um, I've met so many people. They email me, they talk to me. Um, you know, Mike down in Florida, uh, Gabe, the illustrator, uh, Annie, uh, excuse me, uh, Angie, um, who, uh, ran up to me at, uh, I had, that was one of my fan moments. Are you Richard Bliss? And I was like, yeah, Hey, that was kind of cool. <laughs> and it's just been a wonderful experience to meet everybody. You and I are talking, but, uh, you know, the listeners are listening too, and it's just been amazing. I, I blah, 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 blah. Now I'm just rambling on, but it has been amazing. And I imagine you have the same experience with what you're talking about when it comes to the blogging. Yeah. I've had a great experience with it. And I think the common thread here between the, the, what you and I have done with our blogs is that we decided to start them. I think that's the crucial point that people don't realize sometimes that you just have to give it a try. You just have to make episode one or write entry number one. And and start start there. I don't don't start with a concept. Start with an an actual entry and work from there. Don't start with a concept. Just start writing. Yeah, and then write whatever you're excited about and what people seem to enjoy reading, and go from there. I mean, you do that. You listen to your audience. You get fan mail. You you hear from people what they're interested in in hearing. Like you 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 had a recent episode, a monologue that people really enjoyed. Now you have that feedback, and you'll probably do a few more of those. But it's not like you said. Not like a year ago, you set apart. You decided, okay, I'm going to do a monologue every day, or I'm going to do an interview every podcast. You 
You left it pretty open. I did. And I have to admit, the one reason that there was a slowdown this summer uh, was because I started to analyze it too much. I was like, okay, what should I be Mm -hmm. doing? I should be doing this. And people started to give me advice. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I started the planning. And the planning got in the way of the execution. And then it was like, okay, screw that. Let's just go back to making podcasts. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, I don't want to stop, Jamie, but it's late. It's uh, 1230 where you're at, right? P.M. It is. A.M. Twelve thirty A.M. It's ten thirty at night where I'm at. So it's late for both of us. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And we just kind of got to talk and and discuss things. And I wanted to introduce you to the listeners again because of all the great things you've been doing out there. Well, thanks, Richard. I really it's been good talking to you again. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Jamie Stegmeyer from Stonemeyer Games, and hopefully you've heard something inspiring. You have inspired us. And we appreciate you listening. Jamie appreciates you reading his blogs. I appreciate you listening to my podcast. Thank you. And I don't know how to say thank you other than just to say thank you. And uh, we certainly do appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you've been inspired. We have been inspired by you. We're looking forward to seeing your Kickstarter project out there so we can help you fund your dream. Thanks for listening. Take care.